from the epistle. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. May my words find their source in God, who is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. The season of Advent is all about waiting. Waiting for what exactly? Well, for the nation of Israel, they were waiting for God to return to them during a very dark time in their history. And God says to them in Isaiah 40, Comfort, comfort my people. So in a sense, Israel was truly waiting for comfort. That is, the comfort from their God. So what, is, what are we waiting for in Advent? For the nation of Israel, they were waiting for the comfort of their God. I mean, that's the beautiful thing about Advent, is that we're reminded, we're, we're set back into the biblical story. We start again, and we remember what God has begun to do in his people. And we're remembered of the hope and the waiting that comes in this season and, and the hope and the waiting that, was with that, that his people were experiencing. We, had all, we all, at certain points in our lives, need comfort. The Christmas season is particularly difficult for some people. Remembering the loss of loved ones, recalling the memories of a life well lived, which is now gone. So for those who are experiencing that, this passage is particularly relevant. It should touch your heart. The need for comfort, it implies the presence of sorrow, of pain, sadness, grief, or even depression. It's an emotional pain, maybe even a physical pain, and you need comfort. The easing of the sorrow we need comfort when our world has turned upside down. Everything that we expected has changed. And we don't know what to do. The present is, is grim and the future is even more ghastlier. We need to know that other people understand our pain and maybe even have the possibility of easing our pain. I mean, that's the, that is really what we can do to comfort others is to show we're there and we can ease your pain, hope to ease your pain. I think especially about this COVID-19 pandemic and the emotional toll it has had on all of us with the ups and downs that come, with the ever-increasing uncertainty, <laughs> with lockdowns, uh, opening up, masks, not masks, like it's just... These are necessary things, but the up and down is, is stressful. I just read yesterday on the news that dentists are seeing more cracked teeth and, and more uh, stuff happening in the mouth because people are so stressed from the pandemic. So we need, we, we, I think we can place ourselves really in the Advent story. I think about a year ago on Christmas Day, I felt... Not to the same degree, but I felt that, that weariness of Israel. I felt on Christmas Day, our Advent isn't over. We are waiting. This is truly what Advent is all about, is waiting for something beyond every year. 
Almost a year ago, it was our first COVID Christmas. It was a sad day for me, and I'm sure for many others. I mean, we had to be... We, we, I, I wasn't able to see my family that day, or for many more months after. We were in lockdown. We couldn't have visitors in our homes. My family lives about three hours away in the Calvington area. And uh, it wasn't convenient to organize anything anyways. To, or, or to organize anything outside, I mean. I had my good cry, got it out of my system. Um, and we were good to go and <laughs> spend the day with my wife's family in Prince Albert National Park. But thinking about that, like I said, thinking about the weariness that, came, that comes with our world turning upside down and recognizing the need for well, community, for the, to know that people are there for us. I was thankful for my wife's comfort in that moment and all day. It was nice to, to get it all out, get my, past my moment of sadness and look forward to the rest of the day. And how many of us are longing for this pandemic to be over? It's only been two years of sorrow for many of us, almost two years. But how many people do we know have faced a lifetime of grief in need of constant comfort? Maybe cannot be comforted any longer because of the grief. And so this pandemic, as much as I'm sick of talking about it and thinking about it, and it's nice being a seminarian, working from home, don't leave my house very often, so I kind of forget about it. But I still read the news and go outside and remember we're in the midst of something, and it's a reminder that things are not as they should be. When, when something like this happens to our world, causing chaos, causing grief, when we're separated from our loved ones, that is a sign that things are not right in God's original intention. This is our present darkness. It reminds us of something greater that's coming. And for the Israelites back in Isaiah 40, they were also in the midst of a heavy darkness. They were waiting for God to come back to them. He, they were His people. He was their God. He was their Father. You know, the Old Testament talks about God like a mother hen bringing in, bringing in the chicks. And so they wondered when they're in the midst of this present darkness, they're not in their land anymore. They don't have the freedom. They're, they're not ruled by their own king in the context of Isaiah 40. Where has God gone? Where is He? How many of us have asked that question, I wonder? Where is my God? Why is he not close? But God spoke to them. God was with them every step of the way. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned. The present darkness that they are experiencing is about to end, according to God. It's about to end. Be comforted, my people says God. Why? He sees them. He knows them. And He is returning to them 
to restore all things. He's going to extinguish the darkness. He's going to give them back their land. Though, as I'll get to later, it may not be as they expect. A voice cried, In the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. It also says in there, Go tell this great news. I love that, that verse. The prophet is ecstatic for what God is doing. Go, go up on the mountain and tell the people, God is returning to you. God is returning to you. He's coming. Let's get ready for his appearance when the glory of the Lord shall be revealed. But if we know anything about Isaiah 40, is that there's 26 more chapters to go. And they never leave their present darkness in that book. So, what does that mean? It doesn't take place for many, many more years. That does not mean that God does not keep His promises or did not keep His promises. The prophet attests to this. The grass withers, the flower fades. The poinsettias from Christmas die and by the time July hits, they're dead. But the word of God will stand forever. God is faithful. He will indeed keep his promises. Whatever God has said, whatever God has declared, he is faithful to indeed keep his promises like I said, he fulfilled this promise in a way unexpected. We see this in the first chapter of the Gospel of John. When a bombardment of people are barraging John the Baptist with questions. With a series of questions asking, Are you the Messiah? Are you the Christ? The one that we've been waiting for? The one who's going to do God's work? I'm sure we all know the, the answer to that one. No, John said, I am not the Christ. He's the forerun forerunner. To God's work. Who are you then? The crowd asks. They want to know who this weird guy is. Who's doing these amazing things. Who's preaching with authority. Who's preaching some not so nice things. Who are you? He says. I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord. As the prophet Isaiah said. Do you notice what John is saying? I love this. His ministry is a testament to the work of God. To the, the work and return of God. As, as was pointed out in Isaiah 40. This is the one crying out in the wilderness. This is the one saying, make straight the way of the Lord. Meaning God is on the move. Get ready for His coming, John says. The way that the, the promise from Isaiah 40 is about to happen. It's about to come to pass. The present darkness that Israel had experienced for a good majority of their history was about to cease. Comfort. Comfort my people. How can I be sure of such an assertion that John is the forerunner of this fulfilled promise from Isaiah 40? For one... He is quoting this very passage. 
he, he, he sees himself in direct line with this passage. He's therefore pointing, alluding, more than alluding, he's pointing to it. He's saying, look, I'm the one preparing the way of the Lord. And secondly, as Isaiah said, you will see the glory of the Lord appear to you. This indeed takes place in John's gospel. Notice in John 1.29, the next day John's interaction with the people, he points to Jesus, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Here he is, folks. The one you have been waiting for. God is faithful. He keeps his promises. In God, uh, pardon me, Jesus had compassion on the people, healing the sick, recovering the, the, blind, the sight of the blind, restoring the deaf, healing the crippled, and so on. Doing all these wonderful things. It says in other Gospels that Jesus looked out in the crowds and he had compassion on them. Comfort, comfort my people. So many works of compassion and comfort. This promised ceasing of their warfare is about to come to an end. It's about to be fulfilled, I should say. The ceasing of their turmoil, their trials, their tribulations, the things that they're experiencing is about to come to an end. The people of Israel knew that this fellow from Nazareth was the one they were waiting for. A man of God to do the work of God. But when he died and rose again, he reoriented God's plans. The, they're thinking about God's plans. Plans that were fulfilled in Jesus. Plans, in fact, to bring rest for the entire world. To bring an end of sorrow for many all around the world. And this is how the glory of the Lord was shown among all people, going back to Isaiah 40. <clears throat> but when he ascended into heaven... It felt like a decrescendo in the biblical story. It's as if everything's going back to normal now. He was, his coming was the height of all that Israel hoped and longed for. And now he has disappeared into heaven. And everything just goes back to normal? Obviously they were given the Holy Spirit. But for many Christians... They face persecution for their faith. They, they increased, the, the, the suffering amongst them increased. And they wondered, have we made the right decision here? Have we pledged our allegiance to the right guy? To this guy from Nazareth? Nazareth? But the Apostle Paul, strapped in chains, did not see it this way. Telling the Christians in Philippi, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Since he says it twice, it must be important. Rejoice. Paul, he is in chains. But he is able to say within the midst of his present darkness, rejoice. He doesn't see it as darkness. He sees the light that is shone in the darkness. Jesus Christ. Why is he full of joy then? He has been comforted by the Lord himself. He knows that God has returned. God has been with us. And God remains with us. He knew that. 
And he was able to experience the joy of the Lord because of the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, a peace that, guards, that guarded his heart and his mind in Christ Jesus. And even though Paul is undergoing a painful experience, he does not let it control his outlook, knowing that the Lord is at hand. So Paul's joy is grounded firmly, pardon me, is grounded and founded firmly upon the Lord. He sees the light in the darkness. He knows that Jesus is returning. He knows, he says, my citizenship is in heaven from which we await the return of the Savior. I mean, we confess this every Sunday in the Nicene Creed. We believe that he shall return. We believe in the life of the world to come. Paul had the hope of the return of Jesus. He will return. We will see him as he is. He has the hope of the return of Jesus and he lives in light of this reality. He lets that future control his current situation. His attitude is shaped by this hopeful expectation. And so just as the prophet said to the people, comfort because God was going to visit them and rescue them. So Paul says to each of us, rejoice. Why? Because the same God who visited Israel and who has rescued many people around the world, who have fulfilled his promises, is going to visit us once again, is going to rescue us from our current darkness and is going to bring everlasting light. Experience the comfort, in other words, that will be experienced forevermore when our God comes to live with us forever. Now, joy is not a term that means 24-7 happiness. No, not at all. Paul was not a, probably wasn't happy in chains. I think to be comforted and to experience joy is to have a peace and a deep contentment within your moments of doubt, of fear, of despair, of grief. Joy and comfort come from hope. Even a little little bit of hope that we may have. The hope of a better and brighter future. Not totally sure what this looks like, to be honest with you. But I, I know one thing is certain that gives us hope is that God is faithful and He keeps His promises. So Advent is a reminder of the God who keeps His promises. We're waiting. And I think for many people, it's been an Advent season for many, many years a season of waiting. But it's also a season that God keeps His promises. Our, our Father fulfilled the best promise of making a, a, to make the rescue mission possible by sending His Son. But please hear me say one thing. Sometimes the pain that we experience may never go away, both emotionally and physically. It may never go away until we, we enter glory. But it's, it, it, it's hope isn't it hope that we know the future, the future in this world or the future of the world to come? It's a brighter one. Be comforted, people of God, knowing that our comfort is coming. Our God is coming to be with us forever and ever. And so may God's peace be with us always. Amen.